and we're live. Welcome everyone back to another episode with your favorite duo, the oddest couple. <laughs> that is a funny, that is a pretty funny uh, name of a show. The oddest couple, myself, Felix Levine and John Alight. Quick reminder, if this is your first time tuning in, you got three episodes to catch up on, so get to it. Um, you can find them all on YouTube, or you can find them if you listen to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, like the video, comment. We love comments, the good ones. Uh, share it, subscribe to the channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're gonna be posting a lot of short form content on TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, all that good stuff. John is a big following on Facebook, so if you're on Facebook, subscribe there. You'll get notifications when we drop episodes. Um, follow this man on Instagram at John A. Light. Myself on Instagram at Felix.Levine. Um, I think that's all of the housekeeping. And if you, as I said, if you missed out on the first three episodes, get to it. They're very good, in my opinion. And uh, we're going to hop right back into it today. Today's theme is uh, is an interesting one. It's a difficult one. I think it's one that um, there are people out there that are going to be able to relate to, uh, to your situation. Some might not, but I think that the perspective, regardless, is extremely interesting. Um, it's really that of being the parent of an incarcerated individual. I think what's mostly even more interesting about your situation is you were also previously incarcerated, right? For a very long time. Um, so your insight is different. I think there's a lot of people out there that um, have incarcerated children, but they might not have been in jail. You spent a lot of a lot of time in jail. You've been to a lot of different jails all over the world. Um, so I guess for you, when you think about being the parent of an incarcerated individual, is it heart more or less heartbreaking because you've been previously incarcerated yourself? Oh, it's a hundred times more uh, heartbreaking to have your child in jail. I mean, there's no worse thing, I think, in uh, a parent's life than to lose a child like I did. And uh, me and my daughter, before she passed, she was always worried about her brother. And she used to tell me all the time, talk to him, talk to him. So I'd like to dedicate this, obviously, to my daughter's memory and uh, the conversations I had with my daughter about my son and the conversations I have with my son about him in jail prior and now. And uh, I talk about the same thing, you know, break the cycle. For people like myself, other parents have been in prisons, break the cycle for our kids. What what are those conversations like? Or I guess what were some of the earlier conversations with Jimmy, your son, who's who's in jail right now? Not to do what I used to do. Uh, make sure, go to work, which he did. But don't lose your temper. Control yourself. Don't be insecure about some of the things that, you know, people say or do. Don't let them trigger you. And... Uh, one of the incidents he got, and he let somebody trigger him. And when he, when he, and the person was wrong, and I told him, it's not about wrong or right. Why didn't you go in the house? And he didn't. He goes, did you go in the house? I'll never forget when he said it to me. Did you go in the house? I go, no, that's why I ruined my life. I didn't go in the house. That's why I'm telling you to go in the house. I know what you were going to do, and you did it. But why'd you have to prove that you would do it is the, the insecurity fact that you had to prove it. 
And the problem is, as a father, I have to live with it because no matter what I do, he saw me a certain way, so he wanted to be that way. So those are the consequences of my old actions. And as much as I try to drill it into him, and that's why I tell parents, uh, mothers or fathers that are together or single parents, you have to drill in their heads that their lives are worth something. I think what, it's kind of what you said right in the beginning, like as a parent, you've been probably through the two worst situations, right? One, I guess, I, well, I would even argue both are still ongoing in a lot of ways, right? Because the passing of your daughter will remain forever. And you're also like your son's still in, in jail, right? So it's like at the same time dealing with both grievances. How do you handle that, I guess, yourself internally, emotionally? You know, you're going to, parents that lost their kid, their children, they know. You're going to cry every day. Whether you're watching a movie out of nowhere, you cry. Whether you wake up and you're crying. Whether you go to bed, you're crying. It's emotional, nonstop pain. And then knowing that my son was incarcerated while his sister uh, died is very painful to know what my son's going through because I've lost other people that were close to me in jail, but not uh, a sister like he just lost and his, his only sister. So I know I can't be there for him. He's only there for himself. No matter what I say over phones or a glass visit because we're behind glass, uh, it's terrible. You can't hug him. You can't, you know, you, you're on a telephone behind glass and you, you're going to see him, tell him that his sister's gone and that, please, this is not what she wanted for you either. Is, so you were the one who told him that? Yeah. And it was, you waited to be in person, right? He knew it was uh, while she was on life support. Oh, okay. Um, his mother was talking to him and she was sugarcoating it more than I wanted it to be sugarcoated because we knew the ending, what yeah. was going to be. Eventually, I'd have to pull that plug. And uh, we didn't agree. And I was more forceful on the phone with him that get ready because this is not going to be what your mom's saying. What, what was the first thing that you had said to him when you first called him to tell him about what had happened? Uh, what was his first reaction? I called the, the, I called the prison and asked the... Uh, social workers, the counselors, if he can get a private call with me. They grant it? Yeah. The social worker was very nice, a woman. Granted it, let him go in the office to speak to me. And, uh, you know, there's no way to say it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's just, I told him, again, I brought up my, my book, Prison Rules. I said, go read it. You have it there. Go get a Bible. Pray. Uh, know that she's with us. And uh, you're going to have to be strong, not just for yourself, but again, from his nephew, my grandson, my daughter's son. And uh, you have an obligation now to lead by example, not by words. Yeah. So you can promise 
but you have to do it, what you're promising. Um, and they're going to be difficult because, again, age, he's younger than me. So it's easier for me to do what I'm doing, even though I'm getting challenged on a regular basis, you know, by these computers, by, you know, people. And that's why I'm a big, big advocate for anti-bullying, what's going on with kids, because I see the attacks on adults by adults. I can only imagine a, 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 somebody who's psychologically weak uh, with insecurities and kids are picking on them. And just recently in Jersey, a girl took her life after she was beat up and picked on in, I think it was Belleville uh, School. And then another girl was very emotional and got up in front of a school board and discussing it. So I can only imagine what the bullying is like for these kids. It's just terrible and these schools aren't doing enough. And I was talking to my son about jail now and it's the same. Uh, you have to take a stand and very, and. That means through the Bible, through education, through uh, the loss of ego, you got to be. You got to learn to be uh, learn humility, and uh, that's a job as as a father. Like it's it's very painful to see this going on while you you're sitting here. It's very easy for somebody to say, you know, what's the big deal? Because they're not living it. If you really love your children, like most parents do, uh, losing children and jail with children is the ultimate pain. Do you think that, for lack of a better word, like your son Jimmy gets it now? Oh, I 100% see the difference from when he first went to prison the first time because he's been in and out several times till now. And especially the loss of his sister, I think he gets it. What was what's the difference like in terms of how does it, how do those differences manifest? Well, psychologically, the the experience of understanding you're wasting days and nights for no reason, useless, and that any action that you you engage in as a reaction to whatever somebody's doing to you brings you nothing, brings you nothing but long term suffering. Uh, and you're alone, no matter how much anybody wants to be there with you, you're going to do it alone. That time, I used to say to guys in jail, any time that was with me in jail that were trying to do time with you, go do your own time. We came in here alone, we're going to leave alone, and we're going to leave Earth alone. So you, you need to stand on your own two feet, whatever which way you can do that, alone. And, you know, he's learning through doing so many years and solitary confinement and fights and incidences that uh, you can be frustrated and angry all you want, but if you don't learn to overcome it, there's only one person really suffering besides a parent, and that's yourself. Who do you think in this situation has suffered more? Is it him or is it you or your family? Uh, it's it's me. I mean, you know, the whether it's me or... It's any parent. Uh, they're going to have their own, and they're going to say, well, it ain't no big deal because I was in prison. Right, because you've been on both sides. You know, it sucks, but you, you do the time like he does. He doesn't sit there complaining on the phone when he calls me from jail. He's just like, all right, I'm just... Has he ever complained to you while he's been... Nah, just more complaining about holding his temper. The usual, what I keep telling him, you got to overcome your temper. You can't let people 
and, and especially in jail, because again, yeah. you know, jail is about a respect thing. And, you know, so people don't let another guy disrespect them in jail. So there's ways to combat that. That means there's things in jail that I wrote about in the book that you don't do so you have less engagement. You don't gamble in prison so there's less engagement. You don't play team sports because there's less familiarity with other inmates where they get uh, out of pocket with you because they got interaction with you. Mm. You go to church, you uh, you do things, uh, you program up where you're busy. So you're in, if you can go to school, you're in school, you're in the library, you're in church, you're in the gym working out, so you're not interacting with other inmates as least as possible. Wait, say more about why you don't play team sports? Because guys get familiar with you. Say you're playing softball and you make an error. A guy opens his mouth to you. Oh, I see. Now you're arguing back. You're giving yourself a chance to beef. So if you don't play that sport, that guy doesn't get to say that. I to see you. what you're saying. So I'm not. So I'm not a, a, one of these guys that believe in these sports in jail. Go work out by yourself. Be friendly with one or two guys. That's it. So it's better to completely keep your head down. As much as possible, keep your head down. Program up to positive things. You know, some jails have music rooms. You go in a music room. You go to church, like I said. You take classes. You go to the library. Uh, you work out with one or two guys. You play individual sports, handball. You don't play basketball. You don't play sports where you foul a guy in basketball and he throws the ball at you, and now, now you're fighting. So or you don't gamble because they don't pay or someone lies about them in the money. Yeah. So you don't do any of these things and you avoid incidents. And when you don't, and you don't take this advice, this is not rocket scientists. This is uh, logical, advice for, logical advice from anybody that's been in prisons. Um, you try to alienate yourself as best as possible without alienating yourself. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird one too, though, because you hear people talk about how you need like alliances in jail. Well, you, 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 you that's another them. thing. You create alliances in different ways. In the right ways. There's groups and there's religious groups in there, whether they're Muslim or anything else, and they pray together and they do things, but it's positive groups and they'll stand with each other. You know, so a lot of guys aren't true Muslims become because of protection reasons. Others do it because of uh, their belief in God and, and doing the right thing. And each person knows why they're doing it. Um, everybody can judge, everybody doesn't matter. But same thing, if you're in church, and you could be in church two or three hours a day reading the Bible and praying, that's two or three hours you're not interacting with other guys out on the compound. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... When when Jimmy first went in, did you explain all these things to him? Had he read your book? Yeah, he, he's read my books. Uh, he didn't read them on the street. He read them in jail? He read them in jail, yeah. What was... Do you remember the first time he went in? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time. What was that like for you? He got into a nonsense problem on on a college campus with... <laughs> it's funny, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Because he's a young guy, and he was with a, a, a one of his friends, a black guy, another guy, a Spanish guy. And they're in a hoopty. You know, they're a, you a know, it's like an old jacked-up car. It's, you know, it's like a neighborhood street car. You know what it is. It's from guys from the hood. Yeah. And, you know, he's all tatted up. You've seen him, picture, tatted on his face, tatted his whole body. His friends are all tatted. They're dressing in, in hood wear, you know, gangster, the way they dress. And he left my house, and I go, where are you going? 
and his friends came in, and I look at him. I go, where are you guys going? You know, I know most of them say kids. And they, they were from Camden, you know, from out in South Jersey. Rough neighborhood, one of the biggest, you know, per capita murder capitals. Mm-hmm. And uh, they go, we're going to Rutgers. So I start laughing. I go, you three idiots are going to Rutgers? I go, to do what? And I look at him. I go, what are you doing? So I know they're there to, 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 to screw around. So I said, don't go there. I says, well, you guys don't belong there. I says, you know, if you want to go there, change the way you look and go there. I says, if you go there like that, he's going to get jammed up. So that night he doesn't come home. I knew it. I'm waiting for the phone call. He's in prison. And they got into something over there. And uh, he calls me and I answer the phone. He goes, you mad at me? I said, I'm not mad at you. I says, I'm just going to say one thing. How did that work out for you? So he's like, I go, yeah, I'll send the lawyer. I'll get you out. So I get him out, and he went through some nonsense. It wasn't a serious case. And I go, listen, you're not understanding me. I says, I've been here. You just need to go to work and get your life right so you don't ruin your life. And uh, in his behalf, like when he got in some trouble, like even at the, at the incident where the, a guy threatened to shoot him and, you know, he ended up uh, shooting a guy, uh, the the uh, owner of the building, because it was uh, an apartment house, also boarding house, kind of, said he goes to work, he minds his business, he's quiet, he doesn't sell drugs, you know, he's just a... But he looks, the way he looks is like he's a street kid gangster. Well, yeah, and people, and we're going to put up the video that he sent you, which, you know, is a... It's a, it's a tough video. Well, it's just heartbreaking because, you know, you see him and... He's in jail, and but it's a good video. Uh, we'll put this up. I don't know if we're we're gonna edit it in or if we'll just post it simultaneously. We'll see. Um, but for lack of better word, you know, tatted head to toe, and and again, I like I don't know. I'm personally not like that means anything, but it's hard to not. You know what that looks like. Well, the problem is, I told him people are gonna always judge you. Right. You know, like you got ball players, it's normal. Everybody's tatted on their face, they're tatted on their body. You know, basketball players, football players, everybody. It's a, it, it's a different era. So my era of adults may think a little different, right, because they judge it. You guys' era, it's acceptable. But the problem is still people are going to judge it, right? And, and there's levels too. Like he's got like a lot. Well, he's on, a, on a, another level. But what I did tell him is, Okay, you had that incident, you got out of jail, and tell me, has anything changed? It's just going to be another guy like him threatening you, another guy that's going to take a shot, another guy that's going to try to antagonize you. It's not just one, it's going to be two, it's going to be three, it's going to be ten, it's going to be fifteen. You can't shoot everybody, you can't fight everybody. When you start realizing it's not an insecurity to walk away, because you know what you're going to do. And I told him, and I know what that guy's going to do that threaten you, that you shot. He's a gangster, and the guy testified and gave information on him. Later on, the guy tries to retract it, but it's too late. You already said what you said. And this is what's going to go on in the street. You're going to have incident after incident, and it's never going to go away unless you want it to go away. So until you say, I want something different in my life, there is no different. And same thing in prison. You can get into fight after fight. It's very easy to get in fights in jail. 
but there's ways to stay out of those fights. Now, in jail, it's very difficult once you're challenged not to handle it because one somebody senses weakness, the next guy. So it's a difficult situation. And that's why I wrote the book, Prison Rules with Nick, Christopher, because in that I explain how to avoid it before that starts. And the way to avoid that is just what I said, program up. If you're in a music room, if there's a music room, some jails have them, some don't. If there is one, and you're in there two or three hours with positive people just kicking back, chilling and playing music and singing and whatever instruments, and then you go from there to church, and you go from church to school, and you go from school back to your cell, and you're reading books, and you're working out with one or two guys, and you're doing soul sports of like handball and stuff by yourself, there is very, very few minutes in the day to have a problem. If you don't program like that and you do different things, you put yourself in a position to get into that fight where it's very hard to get away with, to get out of. And people say, what are you talking about? So here's one of the things I'm talking about. If you're in a rec room and you're gambling and a guy doesn't pay you and you accept that, it's a problem. If you owe a guy 40 bucks and he says it's 60, it's a problem. If you have a store in, in jail, which I used to have and other people have, especially in counties, where you, they don't have money and they buy a Hershey bar from you up front and you charge them two to one or three to one on that Hershey bar. When it's commissary week and he don't pay you, then another three guys don't pay you. So it's a problem. These are all situations you put yourself in by the actions you're committing. Or if you're staying with a group of guys and one guy has a fight with another group of guys, now you got, you're in the fight also. So you don't stay in groups. You stay with one or two guys you know that mind their business. And if there is a situation, at least you have those guys and you make friends with other people with a hello and goodbye only, where there's a respect level because of the way you're carrying yourself. So this is all jailhouse nonsense. But it's important because in jail, the slightest, stupidest thing, yeah. depending on where you're at, can end up in a stabbing or a killing. What do you think, like, Jimmy hopes for his life when he gets out or his expectations of life when he gets out? Well, he's kind of handy. So he's, uh, you know, he's a guy who could be a barber if he wanted to be. He could be a, a, something to do with painting. He's very artistic. He could be a tattoo artist. He knows a little construction, a little of everything, drywall, painting, uh, uh, carpentry. He knows enough. So listen, I told him, here's your expectations. You know, people say trades. You know, I tell people all the time about yeah. college. College was good for you, right? Maybe it was, it's not good for the next kid. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of millionaires from a trade. Right. Me you know, too. you just become a plumber and they go, yeah. oh, he's only a plumber. Well, that plumber's very wealthy. Starts his own business. Yeah, and, so, and so... You know, entrepreneurship is, is a, a, a big thing if you're aggressive and you're a hustler. But for me, I told him, just get a job. That's all your, your expectations is that. Get a job, be confident in yourself, make a, a good living, you know, a normal living, doesn't be a great living, and you'll be proud of yourself. But when you take shortcuts, that shortcut never is never going to work, you know, so... The, the small-time drug deal eventually wants to become a big-time drug deal. You don't, stop on t you don't start on top. you got to work your way there. But to work your way there, there's all kinds of things that are going to happen in a negative way. 
You're going to go to jail. You're going to get set up. You're going to get robbed. You're going to be violent. And everything's bad. So yeah. go through the real long way, right? Like, remember the cartoon with Bugs Bunny when the turtle and the rabbit are racing and the turtle wins? Yeah. The slow path sometimes is the faster path. Do, what is, like, which of those trades does he want to do when he gets out? I don't know. I told him, do whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good and you like going to work, you know? And going to work, it's not just work all the time. There's relationships mm -hmm. when you're at work, excuse me. There's relationships and you're going to meet good people, you know, people, family people, people doing the right thing. So when you stay with wrong people, things are going to go wrong. When you stay with people that don't break the law, people that go to work, people that have families, they have obligations. And when you have obligations, positive ones, you make positive decisions. Does he, does he ever talk about like, because what, he'll get out, how old will he be when he gets out? He should get out next year. 30. So he'll be 34. Um, does he talk about like the desires for a family or stuff like that? Yeah, he's, you know, he talks about a family all the time. He's, uh, you know, he's family oriented. He's close. He talks to me almost every day. Uh, you know, he talks to my, you know, his aunts, his, his uncles. He talks to, you know, so that he is, he's, he's used to the, that upbringing and, and closeness. He was close with his sister. Um, and again, there's going to be, it's a, that's a hard thing to overcome. And uh, you're never going to overcome it. But you can you're gonna learn to deal with it, out of no choice. So he's gonna deal with it, well, like he's dealing with it now alone. At least when he comes home, he has support to deal with it with me and the rest of the family. Did you, when you came back, was it hard for you to have regular relationships with people again? Yeah. How so? Well, because first it was an adjustment. When you come out of jail, anybody's been in jail for a length of time, is a big uh, adjustment. You're not used to the crowds, the noise, the action moving so fast. Even though you think you are, you're not because nothing's really moving in prisons. So, And then it's a social adjustment to get used to people. You're going to have to get used to people's rudeness. In jail, they're a little more ch in check because they, don't, they know yeah. there's severe consequences to behave the wrong way with certain guys in there. Out here, you got no consequences by people's actions. You have people that are road raging all over the place, cursing you, even when they're wrong, they're cursing you. And, and again, and you know, as you get mature and you go through some bad things, you start realizing, maybe, maybe this guy's road raging because his wife just cheated on him. Mm -hmm. Maybe because the husband just divorced the wife, the wife's mad. You don't know what's going on. Maybe somebody in their family just passed away. So there's things, there's reasons of the road rage too. I got into it with a, uh, actually a big Muslim guy a couple of years ago and he, he was next to me and we said some words and then I got next to him and I said to him, you should be a, and he, his garb, he was wearing a Muslim garb, so I knew he was. And I said to him, you know, I'm surprised in the way you're talking. I says, because the way you're dressed. And I says, and he was yelling. I went, I just waved him off and I went, right? I wasn't a, I wasn't in a, in a mood, aggressive mood at all. He pulled alongside me, beeped the horn. I thought he wanted trouble. And he says, hey, man, I'm sorry. And we both laughed. We joked. I said, I hope you have a better day because you haven't had a bad day. He was a nice guy. You know, people think that just because initially sometimes you meet, right. 
your people even in the street that were your enemies become your friends or you met them initially the wrong way and he becomes one of your best friends. This guy just happened to be a gentleman that realized, hey, I'm wrong and came back over to me and I could have been an idiot. Instead, I was the same thing. I go, ah, I shouldn't have said nothing either. Right. And the guy was a gentleman who you walk away smiling because he wasn't smiling before that. We drove away smiling. We both did. What do you, when parents of incarcerated children talk to you and they ask you for advice, what's usually your, your go-to pieces of advice? For a parent? Mm -hmm. uh, people like mail in jail. And, you know, they want to know that people are caring. They're reaching out. So contact is very important to keep the person in jail knowing that people care about you. So I tell the parent, be supportive. You can't be supportive and understand what he's going through or she's going through in prison, but there's ways to be supportive out here. So I tell the parent, you know, don't ask a lot of questions because in jail, you're on phones, people are around you, can't talk openly. You know, there's days when they're very lonely and you're sad, that's part of being in jail. Um, and to be emotionally there from so. What do you, what do you, I guess, as, you know, parent of an incarcerated individual, like hope that, hope for him and his life when he gets out? Like, do you think about that? Well, he's doing it now with us. He's done it a couple of times. He called in live when we were on shows, he called in on the live call-ins, he called in other shows, he just did a short video. And I told him, you want to feel good about yourself? I says, you want to do something right? Help the next kid so he doesn't end up like you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you were this way at the beginning before you did all this time? I says, you remember what it is now? That's why a lot of times kids will talk to me and he told me, oh, I did six months, it's nothing. Oh yeah, it is something. I says, 24 hours in a day. Yeah. You lost six months of that. Yeah. I go, those same six months, you could have been on vacation. You could have been on the beach. And the biggest thing, you could take a shower and a bath without wearing what we call slides. Those are, you know, slippers that uh, you go into a shower with because of what's in those showers. Think about what every disgusting thing that can go on in that shower goes on. From the toilet to sex to this to that, and you got to step on it. So you got to wear shoes when you go in there. Little things like that people don't realize. Yeah, in the middle of the night when you're in a cell, there is no waking up and going in the refrigerator and get some juice. There is no going in the ice box and getting ice cream. Simple little things. Yeah. You know, so those are the things that people forget. Or when you have a cold or you, you don't really feel good, you can't just go to the doctor. Yeah. So these are the consequences of the, your actions in the past. What was the, when you were in jail, the one thing that you missed the most from like the, one of those small things that you just described? Sitting in a bathtub. Really? I used to dream of it. Just to get in a bath. Like a warm bubble bath? Yeah, just relax. Just lay there, put on music. You know, I used to, you know, my house, I had everything. So I had jacuzzis. I'd, so I used to sit in a jacuzzi or the bathtub, smoke a cigar, and have a glass of wine and play. I used to like Jackie Wilson. So I used to listen to Jackie Wilson and, uh, you know, old-time music like that and just chill, put a candle on. You don't get to do that wow. when you make those kind of mistakes. Do you remember the first time you took a bath after jail? Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? It's, it's, in, it's indescribable because it's something that you completely missed. It was like the first day I went to the beach. 
And you look at the ocean and say, man, it didn't look like this when I left before. Mm -hmm. Because now you had a different appreciation. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's people like who I, I'm going to keep talking about to everybody sick of me talking about him, Oscar Lugo. Because he was a kid when he went in. He was a little older than you. And now he's 51 years old. Going to be 51. And I read his case. That's why I'm talking about him so much. He didn't get any of his hearings. He didn't get anything. He was completely like he's, like he's in another country, how he was treated. Shouldn't be there. And I can only imagine what it would be for him to come home to his children. And I think about it as a father. And that's why I'm out of my way trying to really help him come home to his kids and his grandkids. He's done 20-something years now. So when I'm looking at guys like him, who are positive individuals, and I know he's not going to be a guy. I know from my experience that that guy will never go back to jail for anything wrong again. So I'm, so I'm pushing hard to get him home. Yeah. And, you know, some individuals are positive people. He's a, even in jail, 20 years with no incidents. You know, that, you know how difficult that is? Nothing, nothing at all. Not a scratch on his record. Yeah. It's heavy because it's, you know, even as an outsider looking in, like, because you've, because there are a lot of stories where you hear, oh, this person did that and that, this amount of time and that amount of time. I think that a lot of people, regular people like me, we get very desensitized to it. And we hear, oh, okay, did five years. Oh, okay, five years. Well, when you say it right, the way you just said it, five years, they don't get it. Because five years I'm is... I'm thinking about where I was five years every ago. Every... Exactly. I was in high school. Yeah. You know when somebody says, oh, he did 20? Well, it's easy because you only said the number yeah. 20. Yeah, yeah, You're not... You're not thinking about that, like... Or when somebody says, like, 20... Like, for me, I'm 23. 23 years. I'm like, that's literally... If this is from the day that I was born till today. I spent locked up. That is an incredible amount of time. I've been in jail almost your whole life. Isn't that crazy? So think of all that wasted time for what? For what? My ego? It's so wild. So when guys are bothering me now and talking, even though I don't respect most of these guys, I mean, why would I do anything to be an idiot? Because the next guy's just going to say what he's saying. They think there's somebody special when they're bothering you. Like, you know, like he's the only one bothering This guy's bothering you. That guy's bothering you. And then you get these... Yeah, I'll give you an example. There's a guy that grew up in my neighborhood. Not a bad guy. Joe Panzarella is his name, right? Rich kid. Father was very wealthy real estate guy. Not a bad kid. I was always nice to him. It's like they have Stockholm Syndrome. Mm. They kiss ass, they're spineless to mm -hmm. the guys that are always shitty to them. Yeah, yeah. And they still talk to those guys. A guy like myself that was always nice to them, they know I'm dangerous or was very dangerous. They, not that they're bad mouth me, but they talk not in a, a positive way. Right. I, you you want to get in front of them and say, like, you know, when you, his father was in the same... Uh, building and the same unit as a guy, Mike Patetta, was my accountant, nice guy. They had a couple of incidents. They called me up. I'd go there. I think he remembers, even though he was younger. And I helped him out. I wasn't ever a guy that did anything wrong to them. So why would you talk against me? Yeah. You know, you got kids probably now, I guess. You're married. Don't you have any kind of sense of pride? Or, you know, does that make you feel good that you're an ass kisser to somebody else? That you're not man enough to stand on your own two feet? that you want to do bidding for other people and talk, you're going to get brownie points. 
like what does it take does it take the old me to go step up to you yeah it's it's a weird behavior is, of these guys behavior. especially when you never did nothing wrong you were nice to them so it's i i don't understand the behavior in it you know so the behavior i guess is some sort of weakness of i don't know what the hell it is I, yeah i don't know because i don't act like them so you know if i was the wife or the child and one of these guys i'd say or maybe he'll, he'll regret it one day. I don't know. Or maybe he just does it because he's intimidated by whoever he stays with. And he's not man enough to stand up and say and speak truthful. I don't know. I don't know what's on his mind. It's not like these guys ever did anything. They're not killers. They didn't go to jails. They understand somewhat I, of the well, I think it's the. I think it's when you... When you don't understand, then you can act all stupid. Right? But you've been in those situations. You've killed people. You've been in jail. You've you've been well, and these these guys are educated, so they understand the betrayal that life. Yeah. So the people they're friendly, they know they betrayed. Yeah. They know they didn't follow our rules. They know they lied. They know they stayed with guys that were junkies and shooting up and and so they they but yet they support them still. I don't I don't get it. Right. And, and I'm not sure because he's not a bad guy. So I won't say this guy's yeah. a bad guy, Joe. He was always a, a decent kid. His father was a nice guy. I almost feel like even just like a day in jail can kind of teach, could change the whole thing. Because they didn't go to jail. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, just a night, you know what I mean? Well, I used to say this about the, the, the shitty guards because there's some shitty guards. Like, give them two weeks in solitary confinement so they understand what it is when yeah, they're talking yeah. to guys. Because I had a guard that wouldn't give me toilet paper when I was in sol solitary confinement. And then you got to abuse him verbally, and then he threatens you, and then you got to worry that they're spitting in your food. And I'm like, hey, man, why don't you just give me the fucking toilet paper? What's your deal, man? What are you so insecure about? But then they talk tough, but then, you know, this is the old me when I was in there. I says, well, open that cell door and see how tough you are. Yeah, yeah. And they ain't going to open it up. And thank God he didn't, because you get a new charge for beating yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah, You know, he's a heavy, big weightlifter, but he's rolling up his sleeves because he's insecure, fat arms. You know, so you know, he figures that he's, you know, whatever he was. 260, 270, 280. He's pumping 500 pounds and he thinks that's going to help him. But the truth is he wouldn't act like that if he was a tough guy. Like I said, these guys I know from MMA, UFC, professional fighters, right, whether right. they're Bobby Chez or no, they don't talk like this. They're gentlemen yeah. because they're secure about themselves. When they're insecure, they act like that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> humans are weird, you know, even though we were just talking about like a few minutes ago. And I was thinking, like, we were saying five years a lot. Like, I'm even thinking, you know when you, like, don't want to do something and you're waiting, like, a week for it to pass? <laughs> like, even a week in jail. That's a long... <laughs> you just went to Dubai, right? Yeah. And before that, you were in Paris, right? Uh, yeah. Some. Well... Yeah. My son's sitting in a cell every day. Solitary confinement, getting locked up while you're living life. Yeah. And you're a lot younger than him. You're living life till it's fullest. You imagine if you couldn't do any of those things oh, and you're no. just sitting in those cells wasting your life. Even if, even if there's get, no purpose of it. Take, take away Dubai and all that. If you tell me like I can't have toilet paper, I'm not even kidding. Like jokes aside, I would, I, that would, that would fuck. Think about, me. let me tell you about showers so people understand what I'm talking about. They swallow drugs, whether when they first come in prison. They, before they know they're coming in, so they swallow a balloon full of drugs. They go in the shower and they shit it out. So that's why shit all over the walls and the floors sometimes in some of the showers because they got the getting their drugs out. You got to step in that. Wait, why are they getting their drugs out? Oh, because they have them. They sh they swallowed it, so they oh. get shit it out, so they have drugs when they're inside. 
Wait, okay. that's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, that's one way on visits. So somebody will try to sneak them in or guards are bringing them in or somebody that works in the jails bring them in or nurse. And, you know, sometimes it depends on where you're at. They swallow it. And then they go back to the cells. And they're not going to shit in the toilet because they're scared they're going to lose it. So they shit in the shower. Shit it out. Clean it up. It's in a balloon. They open it up and they got their drugs. So you got a shower in that. You got community showers and, and community toilets and sinks where guys are, their hygiene is terrible. They're spitting in the sink and you'll see another guy fight him because he just spit in the sink. He's honking in the, seat, in the sink with his nose. He's putting his feet religiously in the sink when they're praying, praying instead of putting it in the swaps of sinks that are in some of the laundry rooms. And these are the incidents, if you're an inmate, what do you do? Let them do it? Do you say something? Do you fight? You know, it, these are terrible situations because there's no win. And this is what you're Not dealing with when you're in prison that no one's talking about, right? So these guys are talking about you're going to jail, be a man, and you that's not all that's not what it's all about. It's small shit. Yeah. I seen guys die in jail. They went to the nurse's office and said they're sick and they put them on a call out from two weeks. They go back and tell them here's Tums. They said you got acid, they die of heart attacks. And I'm not telling a story that a million guys don't know about. This is what you do to yourself when you put yourselves in those situations. Yeah. So when someone opened their mouth to you, walk away. It doesn't make you less a man. Yeah. That guy's only talking like that because he knows you're not going to do it. Yeah, I know. We could probably go on for hours, but we'll save that for the next episode. Um, yeah. So one last thing for guys that are struggling with how to handle themselves and have situations money this and that write us i mean i answer a lot of people and people that write me will tell you if you write directly where everybody can see i answer a lot a lot of people a lot of kids girls and guys write me about advice how do i do this how do i do that and i sincerely mean that uh i like to help you get through it because at, at one time or another i didn't listen to a couple of people that did help me there was a couple of people uh, when i first went to prison i didn't want to hear it and uh you know, I hope you, if you're looking for a helping hand, you'll get it with us. So, and you know, I know that we're gonna do some more, you know, call-ins, and so there'll actually be opportunities to directly speak to to John, John and I um, later down the road. We just gotta figure it all out. Um, but I'm very excited to to be back um, with our fourth episode here. We're gonna continue to to get, in my opinion, very high quality content out weekly. Um, so if this was your first episode and you're still listening up to this point, thank you so much. Make sure you follow John on Instagram at John A. Light, myself at Felix.Levine. Uh, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Um, the oddest couple is back. Contact your local politicians about fentanyl. Keep pushing for our kids and our neighborhoods, our schools. Uh, it's a serious, serious problem we're losing a lot of lives and you got to push our politicians in his district to, to do something about it thank you everybody thank you